This show is brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only app you need to dominate fantasy football and become your own expert. In this app is fantasy player cards with every single fantasy viable stat, fantasy player grades, usage charts, start sit tools, who to draft tools, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, and every stat and advanced stat you need, including stats you can only find at Brodo Fantasy that are proven winning stats, including true throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, and true matchup ranking. All this and more is available right now for free. All you have to do is go to anywhere you download apps and type in Fantasy Football by Brodo, and you just download it and become your own expert. Dominate your fantasy leagues with the only tool you need today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy Football. Seven. Week seven was for sure, for surely, surely, for surely not heaven. This was not heaven. This was the week for some people from HE double hockey sticks because we have some fantasy teams that were crushed, crushed this week. And we come to you with big news of a trade right off the bat. So we're so pleased to have you for the recap episode. It is me, your host, Tim Petrop, of course, with my brother. Mike, what up, Mike? What up? What up, y'all? Michael right now is 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 he has his head in his phone. I don't know what's going on here, Michael. What is this? This I'm is texting the, the, uh, the patrons. We're, we're like the low Discord, key texting baby. each other. Uh, yeah, but this is, okay, fine. If you're in the Discord, that's another thing. Uh, the other voice you hear, that beautiful Canadian sort of twang. I wouldn't call it an accent, but the twang uh, is our is our brother from up north, uh, Mr. Matt Ward, who is always giving you the dynasty angles and reactions. On this Monday episode, what up, brother? Episode Tim you, you, you turned Canadian, you got that, right? You, I did that on purpose. It's always good. I should have let you fire off your beautiful introduction of me, but I'm just too hyped up and too excited. What a wild week we just had! Uh, a lot of excitement comes from negativity, but you know, gets you fired up to talk about it. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. And a, a big trade that's gonna change some some teams. I, this is the first week. Where it's just like, man, a lot of things are going to change. I was telling my brother yesterday, uh, Johnny, that I feel like the fantasy season is in three parts. It's like six games, six games, six games. And th- and that's how you like kind of like have to look at it. It's like three separate seasons. It's like three, they can have completely yeah. different uh, trends and storylines. And, and um, you know, so I just I feel like uh, we're in we're now entering phase two. Of this of this year and uh, week seven was the first phase and in a, a big of uh, altering phase. So with that being said, um, just want to remind you guys to please, if you enjoy the uh, podcast, if you enjoy what we're doing here, we enjoy what we're doing here. That's why we before we're on the podcast, we talk uh, like we start talking about this and we're like, no, no, no like, stop, stop, stop. Let's, let's wait for the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. We really enjoy doing that. And the reason why we enjoy doing that uh, is because we love talking to you guys. We love helping you guys win championships. <laughs> and we can, we hope that if we do help you win championships and we help you uh, succeed in fantasy football and if we give you some entertainment on your car ride home or something like that, then you would want to please help us out uh, and uh, contribute to 
the uh, Broto Fantasy Football Podcast and the Fantasy Football by Broto app uh, to the cause. I went contribute uh, to the cause. You know, like we, we would really appreciate it if you, uh, for as little as $3 a month, you can get an extra episode. Uh, you can get access to the Discord. You can get DFS optimizers. You can get um, access to leagues with us. Like we're always in the Discord all day long. It's, it's, we're, it's, it's a constant. They're in the Discord right now. So it's just like, uh, it's just a constant, like, we love the community. Uh, it's not too small. It's not too big. It's just right. It's like Goldilocks. And we would love to add some more people and make it even righter. Uh, so if you'd like to come through and support the show, we'd appreciate it. you got a bunch of extras. Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy. And don't forget to download the Fantasy Football by Broto app. You've heard the, you heard the ad in the beginning. But I just want to remind you, if you're, if you're listening right now and you don't have the app yet, please go get the app. Uh, it's it's free. We're not trying to do any. It's an absolutely free app, completely 100%. So go check it out. And if you don't like it, don't use it. But I guarantee you're going to like it because it gives you every single tool. We've been doing this for six years, my brothers and I. And, and Matt's been doing this for a long time too. Joined us uh, last year. He's been on the Broto team for the last two years. And we know exactly what it means and what we need to to make correct assumptions and predictions and and look at numbers and the numbers that matter and the metrics that matter uh we know what we're looking for and we put all that on an app and we gave it to you so be your own expert with the fantasy football by broto app uh and yeah support it and uh we appreciate the support just by listening and we hope you enjoy the show so let's get right into it because it is not a monday and it is not news and we have a jam it is a monday what are you talking about shut up man like right in the middle it is not a monday without oh. donnie h Michael. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> Wrong one. Those stories are going just two minutes. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us this half hour. Mm. I'm Don Harrison. Around the world in 30 minutes. This is Headline News. Donnie, my apologies. Good work. It was a little serendipitous <clears throat> that I was, it was the surprise one that was the surprise. No? No? Okay. Doesn't make a... Just right. make you think. The first headline, and I know Matt is excited about this one. He was ready to talk about this before we got on here. He was uh, already excited. So uh, James Robinson acquired by the New York Jets from the Jacksonville Jaguars. That just happened a little while ago. By the way, we're watching the Monday Night Football game, as is always the case. Um, and Justin Fields just ran in a touchdown against the Patriots. So uh, the Bears are currently leading the Patriots uh, Seven three, uh, so James Robinson gets traded. Um, Jaguars get nothing, Tim. If you're gonna spit facts, oh, spit actual nothing. facts. My bad. Oh, not my fake bad. news over here. Okay, my fault. My fault. My fault. Uh, James Robinson. Uh, where was I? Yeah, acquired by the Jaguars. Now this has obviously impacts for the Jaguars. It has obviously impact for the the, the Jets. Um, let's start. I've been talking forever. Let's start with Michael. Michael, redraft first. That's where. Uh, that's where we've made we have our our roots. Um, what is your reaction to this? Where are you looking at James Robinson's value? Where are you looking at Travis Etienne's value? Uh, where are you looking at Michael Carter's value? What's your instant reaction to this? I mean, Travis Etienne was already on the rise. He basically completely took over the job this past week against the Giants. Something um, I something I told you guys was <laughs> happening three three weeks ago. By the way, I mean something Matt has been clamoring about since the season even started. Um, but yeah, with uh, with Travis Etienne, he's obviously in a great spot here. Clearly a top 15, maybe even top 12 running back. Um, he'll probably start finding the end zone more. That was like his biggest boon so far. He scored his first touchdown against uh, against the Giants while James Robinson was stealing most of the touchdown work. But James Robinson is no longer there. And 
it's not going to be Jamichael Hasty stealing the red zone work. So you got yourself a workhorse. Good for you. It's uh, This is why you drafted Travis Etienne. You wanted a role like this. And uh, for James Robinson, he's not going to be Brees Hall. He isn't Brees Hall by any means. Oh, man. Why would you have to go and say Brees Hall? It's only six minutes in, man. I'm not ready for this already. <laughs> he's probably going to be the early down guy, I'd say. Mix in with Michael Carter. I think it will probably be like a <laughs> shut up, Tim. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think it will probably be like a 55-45 type split. Michael Carter getting more of the passing game work. Um, I mean, I think Michael Carter is better than James Robinson, so I hope they split it fairly evenly. Um, I understand why they don't want Michael Carter to just be the workhorse there, and I'm glad Ty Johnson doesn't. I mean, I hope Ty Johnson doesn't get a ton of work. I don't. I don't understand the Jets' obsession with Ty Johnson, but yeah, I don't see Robinson being more than like a touchdown dependent RB two flex play. If I'm being honest, uh, same with Michael Carter. I mean, this definitely brings down the value of Michael Carter to to just be transparent. This dropped right before I got here, and in in my stock rising section, Michael Carter is one of, I mean, uh, stock falling. Michael Carter, I mean, start, stock, stock rising. rising. Yeah, Michael Carter is one of those guys. So uh, I'm gonna have one guy less than usual. Sorry, uh, but this definitely hurts his value. Uh, and I think that James Robinson, you're kind of at the you're kind of liking the value if you're a James Robinson manager because he went from an asset where if he kept going on the pace he was going, he was droppable in two weeks to like someone that's at least a touchdown dependent flex play yeah. that has an actual play. So I think that although his ceiling is not great, it's, it's, um, you know, I think it's a little better. And again, like Michael said for Travis Etienne, let's get the dynasty perspective on this because Travis Etienne is Matt's guy. Uh, he's talking, he talks about him, uh, talks, Swimmingly, I do think Mr. Matt was going to talk about ETN later in the episode. I, if I remember correctly. Oh, oh, that is correct. So how about? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, go we, ahead. We got some bars to drop, but I mean, there, there's a little bit of something to be said from a dynasty perspective based on the entire trade, and it's definitely, um, you know, in the pantheon of arguments on on social media right now when it comes to dynasty running backs, and that's the value of guys that are drafted in day three at the position. Uh, guys like Damian Pierce, Michael Carter, guys that go undrafted like James Robinson, Chris Carson, you know, so on and so forth and so on and so forth, and the list goes on and on of dudes that have had solid production in year one or even year two and are essentially expendable um, <laughs> in the eyes of the franchise that they play for. So... Yeah, I mean, guys like Damian Pierce are having phenomenal rookie seasons, um, but his value is not as insulated as somebody that is selected in the first round, like a Travis Etienne. And again, we're going to get some uh, thoughts about Travis Etienne, so let's keep going with the news, because we have the injury bug was out, and it was spreading like bed bugs on a New York subway. Um, Come on, man, it's a disgusting-ass analogy you just decided to It happens, bro. That was kind of fire, to be honest. It happens. That was bars. And when it happens, it goes. It's like it's like a pandemic, and then it like slows down. And then when you get the the alert or you see it in daily news, like yo, bed bugs are back. You got to be like, all right, I gotta not sit down when I'm on the train. Lockdown. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I got I got to wear my ass mask uh, for, for to sit down on the train. All right. Anyway, uh, Debo Samuel suffered a hamstring injury. Uh oh. In his loss against the Chiefs, is considered day-to-day. Uh, Samuel played his normal allotment of snaps against Kansas City, but came out after the loss ailing. Coach Kyle Shanahan is typically pretty straightforward with his injury outlooks, so we'll take him at his word for now, says David Lombardi on Twitter. Soft tissue injury, not good. Um, I mean, this doesn't change your outlook on Debo, but something to definitely consider. Uh, great news on DK Metcalf. Speaking on Monday, 
Pete Carroll uh, refused to rule out DK Metcalf for next week. This went from maybe missing the entire uh, the entire season to not even missing one week of football. Uh, if you if you are a manager of DK Metcalf, you must be out of your mind thrilled right now. I mean, out of your mind thrilled. Yeah, it's just a hell attendance brain, I guess. Out of your mind so. thrilled is a little much. Bro, I, I would be thrilled. I, I am. I'm thrilled. I, have, I mean, it's the best case scenario. It, it, it is. is the best case it scenario. Is. There's I mean, no denying But that. it's, it's an was, injury I'm, nonetheless. Imagine. I want you to say this, Michael. Imagine yes. it came Agreed. back that Brees Hall was was maybe able to play next week. Would you be thrilled right now? I'd be thrilled. I'd be more yeah, thrilled yeah, if you'd he be never thrilled. got hurt in the first place. Yeah, but I didn't, <laughs> say, I didn't say I'm a maximum thrilled. I just said I'm thrilled. I feel like you said maximum thrilled. I didn't say I'm, I'm full Matt, throttle. Matt, did Tim say thrilled. full throttle maximum thrill? Onward and He's, upward. I'm quoting Tim when I say full no. throttle maximum. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, let's keep going uh, with the next piece of news. Gus Edwards listed as limited in the Monday practice report. I don't think that's anything to, uh, to you know. Talk about Gus Edwards will be talked about uh, later on in the show. Uh, Mike Evans did not practice on Monday with an ankle. That's a little concerning, but probably a little early in the week to really get concerned about that. Let's get to the big news. Let's not waste any more time. Brees Hall, out for the season. I just want to say, Brees, we didn't even know thee. I'm so sad to see you go. We can't have nice things. I'm so sorry. Anyone want to say a prayer for for, yeah, his, what, for anything about Mr. Brees Hall? Oh, I've I've cr- I've cried my tears, man. It's 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 the volatility of the position. Michael, I just hope he recovers well. We've we've seen uh, me as well. Several running backs at this point recover from a torn ACL without much of a impact afterwards. Let's just hope that uh, this is all it is, and he was able to bounce back and be Brees Hall again. Good news. The newest starting quarterback last week that we just got introduced to, that was an excellent play, Mr. Andrew Dalton. New, the new and improved Andrew Dalton might still have a chance to be the starting quarterback yet. Speaking on Monday, Saints head coach Dennis Allen did not name a starting quarterback for the team's Week 8 matchup against the Raiders. If you're only paying attention to fantasy, uh, you might think that Andy Dalton had a great game last week. In reality, he threw two pick sixes. Uh, they're very much costing them the game, but also they had a, they were moving the ball with not many uh, good players. Uh, yeah, Andy Dalton, Matt, are you? Is there any reason if you're on uh, Dynasty League and you're on the wire and Andy Dalton's there? We do. Uh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Andrew Dalton is there. Uh, you uh, taking a you know, little uh, stab at it or? Hey, you, yeah, you should have picked that. him up already, in all honesty. In Superflex leagues, for sure. I mean, most of the Dynasty leagues that I play in and are familiar with are Superflex leagues anyway. And, and Dalton should have probably been rostered before the season started, knowing that he was the surefire backup and Taysom wasn't taking snaps at quarterback. Um, I honestly don't think that there would be much of a drop-off in how that offense functions, regardless who is under center. Uh, Cam Akers, uh, Rams head coach Sean McVay, said the team is still discussing a potential trade for the running back. Uh, Akers was told to stay home from practice in la- last week as the Rams continued discussing trades for him. The team has reportedly spoken to multiple teams about a trade, but there's a chance that the team does not move him before the November 1st deadline. Uh, that's according to Pro Football Talk on NBC Sports. Again, I'm reading this from uh, NBC Sports Edge, a.k.a. Roto World. Michael, if you were a manager of Cam Akers, what is the best-case scenario for you? I mean a trade, obviously. He's I not mean, gonna where? do anything. I'm saying like where. 
where uh, I mean I, I I just don't see any potential in Cam Akers being traded. I don't see why anyone would trade for trade for him. But then again, like James Robinson is about for a sixth round pick. Maybe a team trades a sixth round pick, but I don't think any team that has a huge opening is going to trade for Cam Akers. I think a team that wants like a supplemental back might or something of that sort. Like maybe I don't know, like the Raiders for example. Maybe they want a back to back up. Josh Jacobs, because, I mean, clearly they're not huge. Well, maybe they are, but it doesn't seem like they're huge fans of Zamir White at this point. They made Josh Jacobs a workhorse for the first time ever. Um, that doesn't mean Zamir White can't be good next year or something of that sort. But, I mean, for this season, if they're trying to turn their season around, maybe the, I don't know, maybe even like the Dolphins, they it would be like a three-headed attack with Raheem Mostert. And, I mean, Chase Edmonds doesn't even play anymore. I feel like that make a little, that might make a little bit of sense. But I think he goes some, if he does go somewhere, it's somewhere where you're still not going to be happy about having him on your roster. Mike Williams. Adam Schefter reports that he's expected to miss some time with a high ankle sprain. They're going into the bye week, so you're going to miss him this week anyway, but still a big loss for any fantasy fantasy team right now. Mike Williams was being his regular Mike Williams self, very up and down, but his ups were very up. Uh, but the offense was very really struggling. Uh, this doesn't look good for the offense as a whole uh, right now. He, uh, Austin Eckler is fifth in receptions. He's on pace for 120-plus receptions this year. And that's probably only going to go up with Mike Williams uh, go out. And, look, Keenan Allen, by the way, on the mend, played a little bit last week. But 30-year-old running back with a hamstring, if I had Keenan Allen, I'd be trying to trade him for something at, at right now with the, telling someone, oh, you know, Keenan Allen's coming back. Uh, I would be trying to to sell him. Just because that injury risk, that re- the risk of re-injury is just so great with a hamstring injury for a 30-year-old wide receiver. I just don't want to play that game. No, I mean, I disagree entirely. You're not going to get Keenan Allen for a cheaper price ever in your life than this week. For instance, one of the patrons hit Michael, us up. Michael would, be, Michael would be the person I'd be trying to He said, should trade I trade Allen Allen Lazard too? and Tyler Higby for Keenan Allen? And he already has George yeah, Kittle. PPR. I would do that in literally half a second. No-brainer, absolute yes right away. Matt? I'd do the same thing. With, with what? Who are you agreeing with, Michael? Yeah, of course I'm agreeing with Mike. Oh, thanks. Oh, they, of course, being of course. For Keenan Allen, I, but I mean, look at the trade. Just look at it. You, you've got you've got to back up a tight end that's similar. All right, forget, let's not. And you just get let's not get into Keenan Allen. See, Matt gets it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Keenan Allen. That's my advice. I think stay away from Keenan Allen is my advice. Uh, Rams designated Van Jefferson to return off injured reserve. Uh, that is a stalled offense. That is, it's going to be nice to have a little bit of a. A curveball to get thrown in there. Uh, Elijah Moore back at Jets camp. Uh, I mean, a Jets practice right when they need him. Uh, around the NFL reported that wide receiver Elijah Moore has returned to the team facility and is expected to be active in week eight against the Patriots. What do you think about his role? No more Brees Hall, Corey Davis. Uh, that's the next piece of news, but let's get, we can combine the two. Corey Davis is day-to-day with a knee injury. Uh, sprained MCL. It, the betting man would say he'll miss at least one week. What do you? How do you feel about Elijah Moore's prospects against the Patriots next week? I mean, I'm not immediately interested, but I mean his stock is certainly up from last week <laughs> uh, with Corey Davis injured and Brees Hall out the season. The Jets are going to need some some playmakers. Um, hopefully, Elijah Moore, you know, learned his lesson a little bit and is able to contribute because. 
I mean, look, the Jets aren't going to be able to win every single game this year by multiple scores, like running the ball 80% of the time. Like, Zach Wilson has been throwing, what, like 20 times a game over the past three, four weeks? The Jets are 4-0. and They haven't needed him to do much. But that's certainly not going to be the case the entire season. It's still the, it's still the Jets. Like they have a good defense, but their offense is going to need to put up points passing the ball if they're going to if they're supposed to be winning the entire season. Matt, has any receivers' dynasty value gone down in the first six weeks more than Elijah Morris? Maybe Allen Robinson. I mean, pro- I mean, I'm sure yes, <laughs> but not like at that level. Uh, I, yeah, veterans have certainly dropped off, but not a second year guy that was you know, expected to maintain top 15 positional value. And that was ranked ahead of the guy that was drafted in the first round ahead of him. We're talking about the Jets here and another piece of news that if you're a Jets fan, you're like, oh, my God, we cannot have nice things. I'm a Jets fan. Oh, my God, we cannot have nice things. Elijah Vera Tucker, who was playing at an all-pro caliber level, um, is he a right guard? Is he a right tackle? Is he a left tackle? Who knows? Because he played all those positions this week. I mean, this year, and he played them all flawlessly. Uh, and now he's going to miss the remainder of the 2022 season with uh, torn triceps. Uh, a big, big blow to any Jets offensive, uh, anyone, whether it's James, James Robinson, whether it's Zach Wilson, whether it's any of the wide receivers, anyone. Uh, it's going to be a big loss. Most, not un, inarguably, the two best offensive players in the Jets. So far this season, we're Elijah Vera Tucker and Brees Hall, and now they're both out for the season. <sighs> Mike Boone also placed on injured reserve. Mike who? Uh, so it's, uh, Latavius Murray seems to have carved himself a role. Uh, this one is a little bit interesting, and I want to hear your guys' opinions on this one. Amon Ross St. Brown, Dan Campbell said Amon Ross St. Brown did not suffer a concussion in the team's Week 7 loss. If you are one of the people out there who got .8 points from Amon Ross St. Brown, I'm with you. I feel your pain. I literally lost one of my matchups by, like, three points because of his uh, because of his output. Uh, St. Brown exited the first quarter of Sunday's loss to the Cowboys and did not return to the field. According to Campbell, St. Brown did not suffer a concussion but was unable to return to the field due to the league rules that prohibit a return for players who are exhibiting ataxia. Players exhibiting ataxia, which is poor muscle control that can lead to clumsy movements, are now under the watchful eye of the NFL's new concussion protocol. Tape of St. Brown's movement following Sunday's hit were reviewed and ultimately led to him being sidelined for the day. St. Brown is reportedly in the concussion protocol, but is expected to be available week eight against the Dolphins, according to Pro Football Talk. Man, you, we're going to have to For a be, lot of words. Yeah, that's a lot of words. But, I mean, every word, I feel like every word was important. Um, there's going to be a lot of this happening. Um, and, you know, in one sense, it's fantastic for the players. You know, you safety first. But in another sense, you're going to get situations like Amon Ross St. Brown, probably the most important player on the offense for the uh, Lions, leaves the game, completely changes the whole complexion of the game, uh, not only fantasy-wise, but reality-wise. So you have to live with that reality as well as we as we navigate through this world of trying to make football, which is an inherently dangerous game, into a more safe game. Um, so, I mean, what are your thoughts about about this overall? Matt, we'll start with you. We haven't heard from, from you in a, bit, in a minute. I mean, overall, it's just it's going to be difficult to navigate as somebody that, you know, plays fantasy football it it's an unpredictable thing it's a new 
protocol. Um, we're still all getting used to what that protocol means. And it seems as if the um, independent neurologists that are making those decisions are also still getting used to what that means. Because, you know, as you mentioned, Amon Ra actually did not have a concussion once he went through um, the medical staff's, you know, enhanced um, protocols to kind of take him out of the game. And it was a decision made by somebody that the NFL hired. So it's going to get, you know, probably this entire season, it's going to be really tough. Um, but hopefully they navigate it and are able to figure out a way that, you know, keeps these players in when they are healthy and protects them when they aren't. Uh, I just want to say Isaiah Pacheco played 30% of snaps last week. And uh, Matt and I on Crunch Time, if you don't know what Crunch Time is, is our live show that you should check out between 10, 30, and 12 uh, Eastern Time. If we help you with start, sit decisions and everything else you need for to, to prepare for the fantasy day. And uh, the, the Crunch Time guarantee is every single question gets answered. And, one of, and a lot of the questions were around Isaiah Pacheco, and we basically said, don't start him because, you know, what does starter actually mean for the Kansas City Chiefs? Not much. And that's what we learned. Uh, and speaking of starter, P.J. Walker, the Panthers. Pajamas uh, Walker because he puts other teams to sleep. We have a we have a, we have a few quarterback, a little a little bit of quarterback news. Oh. I saved one of the quarterback news. Uh, um, quarterback news is for, for, for last. <laughs> I uh, wonder which one it could I, be. For those of you who listened a little while, uh, I'm getting ready to. Uh, <laughs> Unleash a little bit, uh, but PJ Walker already named the starter. Played great against the Bucks. Like he had a really good game, made a lot of good throws. So PJ Walker is the starting quarterback still. But there's a new starting quarterback in Indianapolis. That's right, everyone's favorite guy. In fact, Michael, your favorite guy. Do you remember Literally last week? Not my favorite guy. Yo, at Michael, all. your Goodness best, gracious. your most favorite quarterback of all time. My, Michael has a Matt Ryan tattoo on his ass cheek. You don't even know that, but now he does. A face of Matt Ryan, and now that face is going to have to sit his ass on the bench just like his ass does know, when Michael sits on his face on his ass cheek. Matt Ryan scored like .2 less than Marcus Mariota. They both sucked. Oh, hold it on. doesn't matter. Hold on, Matt. Matt, how much is more? <coughs> plus .2 or minus .2? Matt, can you, can you confirm that? Matt, are you there? Uh, no. <laughs> so Matt, Matt does not want to admit the, the truth either. That's okay. Sometimes you got to live in your own truth. You got to live in the truth. When you, I got to ride the fence between the Petrot brothers. Sometimes the truth hurts. And the truth is that the start, the, the Michael's stream of the week that he swore could have two good games in a row just got benched. Not only did he have a bad game, he got benched. I don't care, though. I On don't think bench. he's good. On the bench. I just said he could have possibly been a streaming option. And just so you guys Goodness know. Goodness gracious. And just so you guys ass. know, I've hated Matt Ryan for a long time. Not hated. Matt Ryan, the person, I don't even know if he's a good guy, bad guy. I've never even heard him speak, really. Like, I don't really, like, just a couple of interviews here and there. I don't know anything about the guy. I don't know if he's married. I don't know if he has kids. I don't know. Don't know Matt Ryan, the person. Matt Ryan, the player, is the most overrated player in the history of the National Football League. All of his stats are longevity stats. Most of his stats came in absolute garbage time with an absolute garbage defense and an incredible plethora of weapons everywhere. There are times in his career where he's playing with two Pro Bowl receivers. He's playing with an entire offensive line with first-round picks on it. He's playing with future Hall of Fame tight ends all at the same time. All at the same time. And he 
tricked people all this time to thinking he was good, and now it looks like the end of the line. I just want to put this out here. I tweeted in 2020 that Matt Ryan, this was going to be the last year of Matt Ryan. I'm sorry, 2021. This is going to be the last year of Matt Ryan's tenure with the Falcons, and then he's going to get traded, and he's going to suck, and then that's going to be it. I tweeted that two years ago. You was right. I was right. All right? So, Dude, so so did, did boom. Did Mac Jones lose his job or what? Like Bailey Zappi just came in after Mac Jones threw a pick. Like, is Mac Jones really no, gonna lose no, his Belichick. job to Bailey Zappi? Yo, Bel- Belichick actually said before the game even started that he planned on letting them both get snaps today. Yeah, what does that so even mean? What is this college? Really like I'll, this. I'll figure out next week who's starting for our team. What is this shit? Bill Belichick looking like a little bitch. He legit said that. Wow, Michael, looks like you're. Uh, I'm so confused right now. This is od disrespectful. If I was Mac Jones, I'd. Request a trade. Kidding me with this shit? Um, also, Mac, Mac still hurt real bad. Then he shouldn't have started the damn game. It's a bullshit. What was that, Michael? No idea. <laughs> Michael's apartment is going to like crush crush us right now. It's going to collapse on us right now. Maybe it was outside. All right. Uh, let's get into our first segment, the Saw That One Coming. You notice how Michael massively changed the subject to the fact that Matt Ryan got benched the week that he bet Matt Ryan against me? Oh, my God. I bet him against Marcus Mariota. I ranked him as like QB 15. I thought he could be a semi-decent streaming option. Shut your mouth. That's what Marcus he says Mariota now. beat him by point two points. That's what he says now. Goodness but gracious. in the Discord, when we were having the conversation, he's like, yo, you're an idiot, and you hate Matt Ryan for no reason. Blah, 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 blah. Well, literally uh, not what I said at all. I literally <laughs> said in the Discord, I don't care about Matt Ryan. I just think he could be a decent streamer this week. Those are my entire thoughts on Matt Ryan. No, that's not true. We had a whole back and forth about Matt Ryan. And what? I just constantly repeated, I think Matt Ryan's a decent streamer. Right, and you right, kept saying right, dumbass right, shit right, right. about Matt Ryan being the worst QB Enough in the league. Because Matt Ryan. Because Ryan, <laughs> Tim Enough only Matt likes We've got Mitchell Trubisky things to talk about. and Sam Darnold. That's it. Everyone Yo, oh, else sucks. So, oh, oh, that's a low blow. That's a low blow. All right, let's talk about what we saw coming. I saw that coming from a mile away. All right, uh, let's get into our first saw that coming, Michael. Why don't you start us off? Because, you know, uh, I, I'll let you go first because I'm nice, even though you're a hater. Bailey Zappi comes just, in and just, in like four plays, drives for touchdown. 30-yard <laughs> touchdown. 30-yard touchdown to Jacoby Myers. Hey, Bro, talk about what round was Bailey Zappi drafted in? Fourth. Okay. I was going to say, this is a six-round pick. There's, it's just too good. It's too good to be true. Anywho, um, my first we saw that coming. Juju Smith Schuster. I had him as my tear up. I said I couldn't. I couldn't quit on him. The true target value said regression was coming uh, after his first five reception, 113 yard receiving touchdown game last week against Buffalo. This week against San Fran, he continued it again. Eight targets, which was tied for with Kelsey for the team lead. Seven receptions, 124 yards, and a receiving touchdown. Awesome. Now he's going into a bye. He has Tennessee, Jacksonville, the Chargers, the Rams coming out. Juju Smith-Schuster continues to be the most targeted wide receiver in the most prolific offense in the league. Maybe you could argue it's Buffalo, sure. But one of the top two most prolific offenses in the league. I mean, it's pointing up for Juju, and I uh, I, I saw it coming this week. Uh, I'm going to go next because we're going to get the dynasty perspective from Matt in a second, but I'm going to go with Matt Ward. I mean, no, I'm not. I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker. Matt Ward, definitely on the rise. <laughs> definitely on the rise. But I'm going to go with... said I'm going to go with Matt Ward. Uh, <laughs> I Ken- love it. I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker, uh, the third, if you were wondering, because there was two before him. Uh, he had himself a game against the Chargers, who have been a run-funnel defense since Brandon Staley got there. We mentioned... 
we always mention that. We always have been preaching that. And he was the the guy. And he got that opportunity for the first time uh, to be the guy, the guy. And he the guyed it for 23 carries, 168 yards, and two touchdowns. He absolutely dominated on the ground. And this is a Seahawks offense that you have to at least admit right now it's been seven weeks they are possibly legit and when you see on the other side you see how bad Russell Wilson's been playing despite the fact that he has those weapons in in Denver he and by the way news that I heard today uh what's uh Jerry Judy being shopped very interesting. I mean, everyone yep. is being shopped around the trade. That very line. interesting, though. Very interesting. Uh, where was I before I said that? Oh yeah, seeing how how bad Russell Wilson's been, the Seahawks are a good offense, and it's going to be uh, Kenneth Walker who's going to get the majority of those runs in a P. Carroll offense where he wants to run the ball. So, Kenneth Walker, we told you it was coming. We saw it coming. Kenneth Walker did his thing. Matt, dynasty perspective. Where you at? I mean, saw it coming from years away uh, before he was even drafted, but it's Travis Etienne's incredible breakout. And, you know, now with the J-Rob news, it's not only that obviously the the takeover was happening in the usage department anyway, but obviously now the Jaguars have invested, you know, real um, open depth chart in him, so to speak. Uh, and it all started in week six, which was the first week that Etienne played more snaps than J-Rob. Um he recorded 46 snaps to J-Rob's 43%. And that kind of marked the inaugural takeover of the backfield, albeit on the slightest of edges to ETN. But in week seven, that edge became razor sharp and sliced open the entire depth chart to where they traded J-Rob away and left ETN atop the ranks as a true three-down workhorse. And what I mean by a three-down workhorse is he played a season-high 80% of the snaps um, last week with a 67% rushing attempts. 91% of those attempts came on long down and uh, long-distance snaps. 82% of his snaps were in two-minute offense and 57% inside of the red zone, um, which was 100% of Jacksonville's attempts, uh, rushing attempts inside of the red zone in their offensive uh, splits. So J-Rob in that offense was already cut down to 17%. Jamichael Hasty's an afterthought. And like the way that it shook out too is ETN wasn't just the one of the most you know effective and obviously the most used runners, but he played 57 total snaps and ran 20 routes with 19 opportunities. Uh, uber effective with his opportunity share as well, 8.1 yards per carry and 7.9 yards per touch. And now he's put up three consecutive top 24 RB weeks. Uh, in the last three games, he's had 15 touches for 119 yards and a touchdown, 12 touches for 108 yards and a touchdown, and 13 touches for 114 yards. Um, ETN's just he's always been talented enough to handle that workload he has an obvious connected with trevor lawrence and we're going to get into it a little bit later in this episode but the way that the landscape is shaking out in the dynasty world and in the community is there's really no one to argue travis Etienne being one of the most insulated and valuable dynasty running backs period yeah and i mean he looks the part he's been he's he's looked better and better every every week and yeah travis Etienne is a uh in redraft, you have to be extremely excited right now uh, about Travis Etienne and, and his prospects. And in Dynasty, like you, you were being patient anyway, and now he's paying off right away. And 
Woohoo! Gotta you're gonna enjoy the Woo-hoo. ride. We're gonna enjoy the ride. I think. Uh, let's get into number two, Michael. Who's your second? We saw that coming. Sure, my second. We saw that coming is a a double a double one here because double these were both my stock downs and they both were certainly stock downs. Firstly, this is a uh, I'm taking a victory lap here on AJ Dillon, who just yeah. got four rushes for 15 yards, saw 30 percent of snaps, it. no targets. He's been he's basically been a handcuff outside of week one. Except people have been tricked into thinking they should start him. It's like anyone who drafted A.J. Dillon has to be furious because he hasn't been scoring. And he's likely been in your starting lineup for most weeks because you drafted him like, oh, yeah, you could be my RB2 or flex play. He was a handcuff all along. I called him a glorified backup, and that's exactly what he's been. Um, and then Cortland Sutton, who whoever is playing the Jets, just don't be hyped about their wide receiver one, period. Cortland Sutton went up against Sauce and DJ Reed and company. Nine targets, three receptions, 23 yards. He just did, the sauce did exactly what sauce always does or has always done this season in his rookie season. Absolute beast. So stock down. I mean, not stock down. Always but done forever. I saw that coming for uh, Dylan and Corlin Sutton. Yo, I got to say with, with sauce, he's been making plays, plays. Yeah, man. Like they Dude, are done this forever. Like people forget he didn't allow an entire catch for a whole collegiate season at one point. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like that. Insane and look, we're Jets fans. We watch the best cornerback of all time do do their do his thing. We didn't really get to see him make a lot of plays because no one ever. Dion played for the Jets. Ha 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 ha. We can get into that if you want, Matt, but not now. Uh, but anyway, one the top the top spot, but one of two according to some people. Um, but you know, he never got a chance to make plays. Sauce, he makes plays. It's uh yes he does he breaks up passes he he's in there he he jumps plays like he's he's been impressive uh, on this young season uh, that's for sure and so is DJ Reed man Michael what is what is happening here why are we being attacked it's the uh it's raining outside that's what it is that's what uh, the noise is yep okay. so if you hear that we apologize but we can't stop the rain we don't got that type of power so I mentioned a couple Justin times. Field just threw a pick looking like Justin Fields again nah that was a tip though <laughs> I'm just playing. All right, so uh, is it is that it? You're done. You done, Mike? I mean, it was on Matt. <laughs> no, it we're good. It was you. I mean, I haven't talking yet. Yeah, oh well, no. I mean, Matt was talking though. <laughs> Until what? Before you said what's good with the <laughs> with the with the noise, and I said it's raining outside. Let's get into the second. My second stock up. <laughs> I mean, my second saw that coming, and that's Terry McLaurin. I I mentioned. That Terry was a shady play because everyone's injured over there. And on top of that, uh, you got the return of Tyler Haneke. And he's going to go to the guy that he's familiar with. And what you got was yourself five receptions for 73 yards and a receiving touchdown. A very respectable, playable game for Terry McLaurin. That's probably going to end up as high-end wide receiver, too, uh, at the end of the week. Actually, Jacoby Myers probably is going to might jump him but oh jacoby gonna smash yeah jacoby might might jump him here but uh terry mclaurin had himself a good week we mentioned a couple times i mentioned on um on crunch time and we mentioned uh on the show that he might be a sneaky play because of tyler haneke's return so also something to look forward to in in the coming weeks because haneke is going to be under center uh so yeah terry mclaurin is the second uh saw that coming matt who's your second guy brandon Ayuk. And I mean, it was like last week on on this pod where there was even a little bit of, uh, I don't know, a little pushback, I guess. But it's man, he's he's exactly what you want in a dynasty wide receiver like two, three. Um, and 
he's still young and like if you're worried about situation that will eventually change in a point that he's still at the peak of his career but for now like he had a massive fantasy performance in week six 28.3 ppr points two two touchdowns eight receptions 83 yards um but led the team in targets 100 routes 93 percent opportunity share um his 11 targets was 26.82 percent and then he followed it up with doing the exact same thing against the Chiefs in Week 7. 94% of the offensive snaps, another 100% route participation, which was the only person on the team that had that in both games, and a 23.9% target share on another 11 targets. Uh, Debo had 7, Kittle had 8, and he caught 7 for 82 yards, which was a team high in receptions and fell behind Kittle in uh, total yards. Like I've been pounding the table for Brandon Ayuk and his talent as a star receiver since before he was drafted. His rookie reception perception profile from Matt Harmon is honestly like a thing of legend for rookies. And although he hit a sophomore slump and was in the doghouse, his third year profile is looking even better than his first one. Um, and now that those targets are coming, he's performing consistently with it. And it's exactly what we pre- predicted out of Brandon Ayuk with his profile and his you know reception perception outlook from his rookie season and his comparisons to AJ Green. And I don't think week six and seven are some sort of aberration, uh, even with Christian McCaffrey there. I think it's a thing of signs to come. I think Debo is the one that's going to be hurt the most with those high value option schemes uh, with running back routes and, and obviously stretch runs are going to go to Christian McCaffrey. It doesn't take away Brandon Ayuk's route participation, obviously, as it's been 100% in the last two games. And Dynasty is all about the long con. Like, no, I I think his value is still well undervalued in his career range of outcomes, but it's he's also never going to give that huge, you know, return on the market, even if his production does spike into wide receiver one territory, you know, from random week to week basis. But he's always going to stay around that high end wide receiver, two. And it's like when you're investing what would cost two second round picks, essentially, in a guy like Brandon Ayuk for consistent, you know, near decade outlook of mid range wide receiver two production. It's like, what what more do you want? I want a mid-range wide receiver one production. No, I'm just kidding. Tell uh, me more. Tell me more. <laughs> I mean, but uh, no, he has I, that. I he has that in that outcome. That's true. You know, he he certainly does put those numbers up too. Yeah, like, his, but I don't definitely... think that's his. I don't think that's his career value range. Is my point. So you're not going to yeah. get that return for him on the market. All right. So let's get into our second uh, category. It is the surprise, surprise section. Things we did not see coming at all. Surprise, motherfucker. I'm going to start this one because I think it's the biggest surprise of them all. Actually, we told you that, you know, the the Kansas City receivers like McCole Hardman uh, would be good bye week receivers because maybe they can go off one week. Well, the bye weeks happened and McCole Hardman went off. Three touchdowns against the 49ers. Only had f- 34 yards and, uh, and on four targets, but got three touchdowns. Uh, also, two rushes for 28 yards. Two touchdowns on the ground for Mr. McCall Hardman just could not be stopped. They he just used his speed to to get into the end zone. They schemed him into the game. Everyone who played for the Kansas City Chiefs had a good game uh, in this game, especially if you were a wide receiver. Michael already mentioned Juju McCall Hardman. Uh, MVS after having zero yards in the game before had over a hundred yards in this game. So. Uh, it's it's not the fantasy funnel offense that we used to have so much fun with uh, in the past. But no pun intended. Yeah, fun. but it's no. it's a uh, it's a little less predictable. Uh-huh. No. But it's going to be a lot more uh, people to share the load, and it's going to be like this every week, man. One of the one it's going to be it's going to be could be zero, could be thirty, 
That's the that's the floor and the ceiling for all these guys, and it's because Patrick Mahomes is an absolute animal. Uh, Michael, yeah, is. who is your first surprise surprise? Uh, my first surprise surprise is a guy who kind of you know came out of nowhere this week, stepped up when DK Metcalf got hurt, and Marquise Goodwin, though he's like he's considered a speed wide receiver, that's been his role his entire journeyman career. He went up and got it on one of the touchdowns, yeah. looking like a beast on that one. Came out of nowhere, five targets, four receptions, 67 yards, two touchdowns. Look, like you said, the Seahawks offense has been super dynamic this season. Maybe Geno Smith. Is, at this point, it actually looks like he's better than Russell Wilson, as crazy as that seemed like two months ago. Um, and that offense is moving, man, at will for basically the entire season. So if DK Metcalf does have to miss some time, Marquis Goodman, like, don't get me wrong, it's going to be a very, very risky play. But... I mean, if he's gonna if he gets like five plus targets downfield targets, you never know. I mean, he just he just balled out in DK Metcalf's stead uh, yesterday, so certainly a surprise. Uh, yeah, and one of the better uh, one of the better touchdown dances because he's again former track and field Olympian, uh, so he did the the high hurdles. Uh, yeah, he did the backflip yeah. to I mean, yeah, the dude to celebrate a, the game on athletic. The, the final kneel. Super yeah. athletic, super athletic. Uh, Matt, who is your surprise? Surprise? Uh, because it's always dynasty perspective with me on these episodes. In all honesty, I did not expect Daniel Jones to be in the position that he is in and doing what he's doing, even as a redraft asset uh, through seven <laughs> weeks. And you know, obviously, dynasty, you got to kind of look at the whole, the bigger picture. But through seven weeks, of the NFL season, Daniel Jones has more rushing yards than Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, and Najee Harris. I threw that last one in there for fun. Shout out to JJZ on Twitter for stat drop. <laughs> but in six point passing TD leagues, he scored thirty point seven eight fantasy points as the QB four behind Joe Burrow's insane game. Patrick Mahomes, and of course the legend that is the handsome red-haired rocket, Andrew Dalton. Andrew Dalton. Um, yes, but Andrew Dalton. I don't think anybody's going to surpass him in this Monday night football game. He's averaging 17.2 points per game this season. He's ranked as QB 10 overall. Uh, and I, you know, just, I thought good of Daniel Jones as a late-round pick, especially in Dynasty startups, knowing that he has some rushing upside um, when he's healthy and that Brian Dayball has turned around. Um lower end prospects like Josh Allen, who I don't care what we have right now. Everybody knows he was not the best prospect. And you know, you got to, you felt hey. kind of good about Daniel, but no, I did not expect a consistent QB one season from Daniel Jones and no, he's not breaking through the top five, but 17.12 points per game um, and six point passing TDs. And obviously he is going to be a little bit higher in those four point passing TD leagues because a lot of his touchdowns have come from the rushing and a lot of his production has come from the rushing, but he's also been a lot safer and more effective than he's ever been in his career as a passer. Like Dayball's turned the juggernauts or the giants into a juggernaut seemingly overnight. Yeah. They are the juggernauts. Now he's playing smart smash mouth football, letting his quarterback and his generational running back Saquon Barkley just run the ball down the throat of opposing defenses. And they have a very good line. Yeah. There's some injuries on that offensive line that came out of last week, but hopefully, you know, they can still function as a 
high-end enough unit to allow DJ to look as good as he has. Um, his decision-making is still a little questionable, but it's not costing the team. He has six passing touchdowns, completing 126 for 189, and has only thrown two interceptions. He's very much a buy for me in Superflex leagues right now because I don't think his name perception has caught up to the production that he's actually putting up and the insulated value that he has. And again, that's something that I'm going to get a little deeper into when we get to the stock down section because Daniel Jones is somebody that I would trade a lot of quarterbacks for one for one right now. Interesting. Very interesting, sir. Uh, Daniel Jones getting it done on the ground. Get you that that's the, that's the cheat code. Facts. Now let's get it is. Let's get into my second surprise surprise. <clears throat> Man, the guy that was dead. He was in the fantasy grave. He has come back to life. It is DJ Moore, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, PJ Walker had himself a good game. In, he balled uh, the, out, man. You, you know what? Look, you always got to learn as the year goes on. And and one of the things that uh, I just can't, I always forget. And I want to say it out loud so maybe we can all remember with each other. Let's all say it together. When head coaches get fired, teams always play better the next week. I saw someone tweet today, if teams were smart, they they would just fire their coach once they make a Super Bowl. Because <laughs> then that's they'll definitely win the Super Bowl. That's yeah, my buddy that Paul. Was, that's who it was. Yeah, that shit was <laughs> Shout funny. Shout out Paul. Yeah, yeah they, <laughs> always, they always play better. So we so that's on the end. And it seemed like the Christian McCaffrey the deal like that one thing that we missed on crunch time was we were talking about people like hey we can't you can't really start to Deontay Foreman Deontay Foreman was a great start because you because you don't know about Chuba Hubbard Chuba Hubbard was a great start both of them had fantastic fantasy games uh in that backfield against the number one rushing defense for the last two seasons it's just like what the hell is going on like that's why you play the games on Sunday and DJ Moore had himself a game and look P.J. Walker was an XFL superstar. He was like the guy. He was like the Tommy Maddox of the XFL, uh, except this this. <laughs> you version. think people are going to understand the Tommy Maddox of the XFL? I, I imagine. I remember. I imagine people remember Tommy Maddox with the Steelers. Tommy Maddox had a very good career. He was he was the first version XFL star that made it. You know, and he was the quarterback for the Steelers for many years after Cordell Stewart and before um, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, on the other on the other hand pj walker x like I'm, I'm comparing the two right so maybe he's a good player you know maybe this is only his fifth career start uh he's in a terrible situation obviously uh but if he can put some stuff together and dj Moore and him can at least find the connection where he can get some plays to him all of a sudden hey 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 let's take a look at the future for dj Moore. in the next four weeks three of the next four weeks he gets atlanta twice and baltimore once with a Cincinnati mixed in. And then, during the playoff times, he plays Seattle, Pittsburgh, Detroit. That is phenomenal matchups. And if you can get a guy who could at least get him the get him the ball. Bro, oh. you're this in on DJ no, Moore now no, after one l- week? Listen. You're hyping him up a little too much right now. It's an if. It's an if. If P.J. Walker can get this dude the ball eight times a game, I'm back in on DJ Moore 100%. It's a big if. It's a big if. It's his first good game. It's a big if, but it just happened. So maybe it could happen again. It could happen. I mean, Steve Wilkes already named this guy the starter, and from all reports, from everything that I've seen, both Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield are both going to be healthy next week, and P.J. Walker is going to start. I mean, they finally were at least semi-decent on offense. I'm not surprised. All right, Michael, who's your second guy? Uh, My last... Uh, surprise, surprise. Another, you know, journeyman type wide receiver that came out of nowhere. 
They have Christian McCaffrey. They have Debo Samuel. They have George Kittle. They have Brandon Ayuk. Scoring a touchdown, Ray Ray McLeod. Four targets, four receptions, 65 a yards, real and a nice touchdown. touchdown to you. Yeah, I was. I saw him throw it, and I was like. That was a gorgeous I was like, that's catch. not Debo. That's not Ayuk. Like, who just caught that ball? And I see McLeod on the back of the jersey. I was like, let's go, Ray Ray McLeod. And, yeah, four targets, and he made the most of it. Four receptions, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Shout out to, shout out to Ray Ray McLeod. He's someone you're obviously not going to be interested in fantasy-wise, but it was certainly a surprise to see him uh, to have a pretty solid fantasy game. What if I just name myself my name twice? Like you got to call me Tim Tim Patrat from now on. Sure. That'd be fire. All right, yo, Matt. <laughs> that Matt, would honestly be dope. Matt, Matt Ward. Uh, what is, who's your second surprise surprise? Honestly, man, this one even like shocked me. I was, I was kind of feeling down on myself and, and taking L's and, and giving up a little bit. But you know, Benjamin surprised the hell out he of me. Nice. It finally happened. <laughs> it finally happened. Yes, and this one's kind of a, a long-awaited victory lap for me that goes a long way back to one of the first ever articles I wrote for Brodo. That's now a recurring, you know, off-season um, deep dive that we do on each roster and highlight one player from every team that I anticipate having a little bit of a meaningful role that is above their perceived cost in the market and dynasty. And for two seasons, my number one stash on the Cardinals has been, Eno. and yeah, it wasn't looking so good after he got that starting role, but the process was right. Like the usage was there. Uh, he didn't put up the numbers I expected in his first start, but that usage reflected a three down workload that would inevitably lead to a breaking of the levy, so to speak, and a floodgate of high-end production should he remain the starting back. And he did last week. Um, He had an 83.3% rushing share, 9.1% target share in week six, but then an 87% snap share, the same 83.3% target share um, against the Saints, and 92 rushing yards on 12 attempts, 7.7 per carry, four receptions for five targets, 21 yards, making sure he eclipsed that 1,000-yard threshold, and 21.3 half PPR points, which ranks RB5 overall heading into Monday Night Football. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, if you're watching the game and listening back, looks like he might be able to surpass that, but a hell of a performance from Uno, uh, RB1 locked in. So he's one of those guys that, again, not in the same vein of ETN, obviously not level of talent, but maybe a Khalil Herbert in the sense that if he's getting an RB one workload of volume, he's the type of guy that you want to keep around on your rosters and add for his perceived low value as soon as possible in dynasty, because this is surely a surprising performance that admittedly even surprised me, but with the way that the Cardinals cap space looks and knowing that James Connors is a restricted free agent, um, and, you know, being, you know, two years left on a rookie deal that is essentially one of the cheapest ever because he drafted in the fifth round. It's going to be able one of those situations where even if they're in a committee, I could see, you know, getting a lot more burn um, and being somebody that certainly, again, like Khalil Herbert and like we're seeing in this game where there's a little bit more of a committee happening in Chicago where, you know, is going to have some value for sure. And then massive amounts of spike value um, next season, I think, sans James Conner and obviously when James Conner is out. Yeah, one hundred percent. I like I like it. You know, Benjamin is on a bunch of my rosters, and I I had no problem ignoring that that first. You know, I had no problem. Yeah, and anytime that. you could use Sands in a sentence, you have to do it. And also, they just showed Matt Ryan on the screen again, and I just also want to say that don't ever forget the translation that I put out there. Remember when everyone was like, "Yeah, Matt Ryan's leadership is amazing. He's being a real team leader. He's coming through, and he's 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 commanding the huddle right away." You're like that. That's cold word for his that's arm sucks. Speak. Yeah, that's cold. Yeah. That's cold word for he can no longer throw outside the hash marks. Yeah, Tim likes the NFL sans Matt Ryan. 
<laughs> uh, let's, get, let's get into our next segment, the stock up trade. Matt Ryan's stock is definitely not up. Something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. Now, right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at 10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analyst indicator could go a heck of a lot higher than that. We are looking at a grand slam home run. Oh yes, yeah. so, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, 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 no! You stop yourself! I just got uh, distracted by a, a very nice screen pass to Khalil Herbert for a 25-yard touchdown. As the Bears are currently laying the smack wow, perfect down. timing. <laughs> yeah, laying the smack down. Oh. It's almost like I was literally just talking about that. <laughs> for sure. Uh, you want to go first, Matt? In this one, you haven't gone first yet, Matt. Of course, given the dynasty, you know what? Yeah, so sure. Go nuts. Sure, first, I'll, I'll take the lead. Um. Massive stock up. There's so much movement going on right now. And it's almost a surprise, surprise category, but you can't call it a surprise anymore because Josh Jacobs has been smashing NFL defense for the past four weeks. I was so wrong about him this this year and I'm and I'm happy about it. I'm happy. Everybody was, except for a very small few of crazy people that have terrible processes that just led them to great results. No, man, I'm, I'm kind of joking. I, in all honesty, if you would have told me at the start of the season that Josh Jacobs would have been ranked second in points per game at 22.2 with six rushing touchdowns, averaging one rushing touchdown per game, ranked second in the league, and maintaining a career-high target share of 12.1%, I would have smacked the crazy out your mouth. But alas, here we are. Uh, and he's not only paying off at his late round ADP in both redraft and dynasty, but he's doing so in fantastically winning fashion. He has the highest PFF grade uh, for any running back in offense and rushing at 91.3, matching both respectively. 37 rushes for a first down, which is also first. He's 36 missed tackles forced, which is third. Six red zone rushing TDs. All of his rushing TDs have come inside of the red zone, and that is first in the league. Uh, 19 rushes of 10-plus yards, which is second, and something that Tim and I both used to make fun of is he doesn't have explosive runs. Well, he has them this year, yeah, clearly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and his per, his per game averages over his last three games specifically are just mind-boggling. 31.6 half PPR points, 23 carries per game, five targets per game. That's a 16.5% target share over his last three. Seven, 174 yards from scrimmage average over his last three games and two touchdowns per game and if you're going to remove all of the volatility of his rushing touchdowns because we know how volatile rushing touchdowns are uh he's still averaging 22.8 half ppr points over the last three contests and he's climbing quickly up the steep pantheon of high rake running backs um in dynasty as a certified rb1 like he's top 12 positional assets right now and honestly if you look at the face of the current market it's hard to disagree there's so much perceived value invested in the upcoming 2023 class sorry like there's so much perceived value locked into first round picks from 2023 because of the running backs that any healthy running back under the age of 28 with decent production this year has an argument as a top 12 positional asset and not only is he under 28 and performing really, really well, but he's 24 years old. Like people forget Josh is only 24 years old uh, and he's not going to turn 25 until almost the end of the season. So he'll be 25 all of next year and is an unrestricted free agent because they didn't pick up his fifth year option. So either the Raiders are going to invest heavily into him and keep using him like this with a Josh McDaniels led offense, or another team is going to make him probably the highest paid running back free agent on the market and do the same thing. So Josh Jacobs is kind of something that I've never 
expected him to be before. And that's an insulated running back. Like he has insulated value. And for those that were kind of smart enough to buy low, it's certainly paying off. And that kind of makes him a sell as well. But if you're in a win now mode, I mean, I'm not trading this production away for anything less than two early firsts. Uh, there you go. I, I like it. Uh, it's, I don't know if I'm giving up two early firsts for Josh Jacobs. So it seems like you're keeping Josh Jacobs. Uh, Matt, I, yeah, I, that's exactly kind of the sentiment that I mean. Like in, yeah. in a win, in a build that's winning now, you're four and two, or I mean five and two after this week, whatever it may be, or even looking kind of a little better than that. Like Josh Jacobs is a must-hold player. Every single valuable, productive dynasty running back is injured, and the guys like Kamara, Eckler, even CMC, um, you're getting nervous about investing into those guys based on age cliff and what we've seen from valuable dynasty running backs this season it takes one injury for that value to fall and you have no production i have i have josh jacobs in one of my dynasty leagues the brodo dynasty league and he's been an absolute fantastic surprise uh for that team keeping keeping me in the in the top keep keep keeping me in the race man three uh, weeks ago in our home league i traded rashad bateman straight up for josh jacobs it's looking like one of my best trades of all time right now. Yeah, that was a wow. That is incredible, Mike. Fantastic That's a fucking trade. smash deal, buddy. Um, let's get into another smash. Gus Edwards. Gus Bus is back. Gus the Bus. Uh, it was fire. It, it didn't look like he was gonna be playing at all, and then all of a sudden, uh, like uh, even after we got off crunch time, they were talking about he was taking first team reps on the practice field. So it's like, oh shit, oh shit, Gus Edwards. And then it was it was Gus Edwards. He only he played on a third of the snaps, which interesting to note in the snap percentage. By the way, snap percentage updated on the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. If you didn't know, now you know. Uh, Gus Edwards first ones to ever do it. Oh, for sure. Gus Edwards thirty six percent. Justice Hill thirty one percent, and Kenyon Drake twenty seven percent of the snaps. But in terms of the the, the rush share, it was fifty percent of the work went to Gus Edwards. You gotta love that number for his first game back, and he produced with that workload. Uh, he put together an 18.6 half PPR performance with 16 rushes for 66 yards and two rushing touchdowns. He even had a little target uh, to sprinkle in there, although he's not gonna catch you uh, any passes. I think that Gus Edwards right now was looking very J.K. Dobbins-ish. It's whatever wherever you thought of J.K. Dobbins before this, you should probably think that about Gus Edwards, in my opinion. Uh, he has a little bit less passing upside than Gus Edwards does. Uh, but besides that, I think that it's a very comparable situation, and I would be comfortable with Gus Edwards as long as he stays healthy as RB2 for the remainder of the season, uh, either mid-range or, or lower to mid-range RB2 for the remainder of the season, and I'm loving that if I had Gus Edwards. I know Johnny in the, in the home league who was playing against McCole Hardman and MVS Oof, rough. If you want to talk about rough, those guys combined for like 40 points. and But he has Gus Edwards. He was stashing Gus Edwards from the very beginning of the year. He was like all about him. And now it's paying off for him, and now his team looks much better. So uh, Gus Edwards definitely on the rise. Mike, who's your first on the rise? My first stock up is someone who, similar to Michael Carter for you, like you said, news came in that changed that a little bit. Uh, same here for me. News came in that changes it a little bit. But my stock up is Paris Campbell because, look, in – I wasn't really buying into it because, you know, it's Paris Campbell. We've seen this before, but Paris Campbell played 100% of the snaps in week six, had a 19% target share, which was good for 11 targets, and Matt Ryan threw so many times. And then in week seven, he saw 98% of the snaps, a 27% target share, and 12 targets. 
Like, I'm sorry. It's I know it's Paris Campbell. I know we've seen it before. I know Sam Ellinger is a quarterback now for the Colts, but I don't know how we could just ignore 23 targets in a two-game stretch. He's turned that into 17 receptions, 127 yards, and two touchdowns as well. Paris Campbell, like, if and this offense has wow. reverted from just run the ball as often as they can to pass the ball fairly often. A lot of dump-offs to Paris Campbell, which, I mean, it's it's fantasy points nonetheless, even if they're little dump-off passes. We'll see how it operates with Sam Ellinger and Jonathan Taylor, another week recovered, because he clearly wasn't uh, getting his full allotment of, sna- full allotment of snaps um, this past week. So someone to keep an eye on, because... Like, I wasn't really buying it, but you can't ignore the production back-to-back weeks, and he's only 5% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Uh, it's, it's it's nice. Uh, Michael, definitely going to be talking about him a little bit tomorrow on the patron, I mean, the patron podcast, which Year. is uh, exclusively for patrons and is going to be the waiver episode. Matt, who's your second stock up? George Pickens, uh, the stock is up, up, and it it keeps going up, up. George Pickens is a human highlight reel, man, of incredible catches and pancake blocks against unsuspecting defending cornerbacks. The kid's attitude and early season production just screams alpha receiver, and his stock is beginning to reflect that. Uh, He scored more than 12 fantasy points in three of his last four games, 28 targets, which is seven per game, 21 receptions, that's five and a quarter per game, for 273 yards, which is 68.25 per game, and that four-game stretch leads all um, Steelers receivers, except Deontay Johnson has six more targets in that time, but he's only put up 141 receiving yards to Pickens, 273. That also includes a pretty bad performance against the Buccaneers, where he gained only 27 yards, but the narrative to that is Mitch Trubisky was under center for most of that Buccaneers game after Kenny Pickett was put into concussion protocol. So in the games in which Pickett has remained under center, Pickens has dominated all the receivers in every category. So not to mention there's, we were talking about it a little bit with the running backs and probably open it up a little bit more as we get the market, you know, uh, analysis for these dynasty reactions. But there's another interesting market market shift happening across the NFL, but in a different manner than we spoke about with the running backs. Pickens is kind of benefiting from some value gains by attrition and obviously is good production, but isn't so much outlasting his fellow market equivalents due to injuries. Moreover, he's outlasting bad offenses. Um, And sorry to you guys about Jets fans, but he's surpassing several of his fellow wide receiver draft mates of the 2022 class simply due to the single season outlook of those other respective offenses and draft mates. Again, like his production is obviously pretty good, but guys like Garrett Wilson and Drake London, who are stuck on offenses that refuse to pass more than 24 times a game and Jahan Dotson and Traylon Burks, who are stuck on IR Pickens is playing on an offense that wants to pass, wants to target him frequently. The production is matching and he's slowly passing those guys in market value. And it like one of the things that I do for market value is obviously a lot of you know keep trade cut or, or df dlf um adp rankings and, and dynasty trade calculator and, and all of those things but it's an amalgamation of all of those things rather than just one where i'd like to kind of analyze market consensus and pickens is one of the few assets on everywhere that is just becoming almost unattainable for what his cost is perceived at in consensus and that means there's a gigantic spike in value coming Ooh, I like it because I haven't been redrafted. And I want to. Uh, I want him to be viable. Amalgamation sans Matt Ryan. <laughs> I'm going to uh, <laughs> skip Matt. I'm going to skip Michael Carter here, uh, like, like I explained earlier. So Michael, hit us with your your last and final stock up. Sure, uh, my last and final. Your stock last up. and final. <clears throat> my last and final stock up here. Raheem Mostert. 
Yeah, I love the it. Miami Dolphins, Hell second yeah. time this year. Yo, I nailed that. That could have been a side lock coming. I've been. I yeah, was the only one telling coming. people, telling people, we're, we're most hurt over Edmonds in the offseason. Everyone's calling me crazy. Everyone's calling. I'm me not crazy. the only one. Raheem Mostert just had his second game of the year, over seventy percent of snaps, seventy-one percent to be exact, seventy percent of the rushes, and even more nice, fourteen percent target share. Raheem Mostert has been running a ton of routes over the last several weeks. He has uh, now, in two of the past three weeks, surpassed 18 half PPR fantasy points. Um, he's the clear workhorse in this back. Tua has returned. Over the next three weeks, he gets Detroit, Chicago, and Cleveland, which are all great matchups for running backs. Raheem Mostert, look, we all know Raheem Mostert is super talented, super quick. It's always been a an issue just in regards of being healthy. And Raheem Mostert, at the moment, is healthy and is balling out. And as long as that's the case, he's going to he's gonna be ranked as a top 20, at definitely maybe even top 15 running back yep. uh, going forward for as long as he's healthy and dominating that backfield. I love it. Uh, but we can't really love it um, without getting a little sad at the end. That's how we do it. Stock down. The worst day on Wall Street since the crash of 1987. The Dow traders are standing there watching in amazement. I don't blame them. We're now down 43%. Almost everything there completely wiped out. And the NASDAQ, everything and more has been completely wiped out. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. Do you want to talk about the speed at which I'm deteriorating? My my son was up all night last night. Look at my son, bro. We should not. <laughs> we should not have given him watermelon at like eight thirty at night. It was the worst mistake I've ever made. He ate a lot of watermelon too, bro. Oh my god, he was so much sugar up all night, bro. I could not. I I'm I'm on like four hours of sleep right now. I'm I'm fading slowly. Uh, let's go to Faded. let's go to to guys other guys that are fading slowly. Oh my god, I could be tired, nice but still, transition. but oh my goodness. All right. I got entire offenses here. First, I'm going to start with the Falcons offense. Because the Falcons offense, look, when you say, oh, I think that the Falcons are going to have a good game script and they're going to have to pass, you're thinking best case scenario is, man, maybe they could play a team that's really good and they could be four scores down. And And seven years ago. And the quarterback. What? Four score and seven years ago. What a stupid, what a stupid <laughs> joke. Uh, you could be four scores down, and the quarterback could have over 225 yards in the first quarter. That's got to be a good game script to pass, right? Marcus Mariota passed the ball 13 times. An unusable game for Drake London. An unusable game for Kyle Pitts. Yep. Kyle Pitts right now is in the running for biggest fantasy bust of the year. Uh, because- Probably easily the biggest fantasy bust of the year based on cost and not injury yeah yeah if you're not counting injury he is easily 100 the biggest fantasy bust of the season uh i mean at this point it's like can you drop him and and i think here's what's the craziest part is when people talk about kyle pitts they talk about him like oh but you know that the big game is coming and or you know that oh the upside is is so it, do you? Because it, it's never actually been there. Or Thor meme? They're ass- do you really? Yeah, they're assigning him a, pa- a a past that he didn't live. Like it's it's he didn't hasn't lived this past that people are assigning him. He hasn't earned this respect that he gets, and like it's it's because he's trapped in an offense. One hundred percent. I mean, it kind of does. Uh, what do you mean? 
He kind of does. I, I mean, that as from a dynasty perspective and even redraft perspective, like that that increased value wasn't there for nothing. He did yeah. finish as a tight end one with being a thousand receiving yards and guys. ninety receptions. So guys, but when but, people say, thing. "I'm not listen," I'm not saying for his overall value. All what I'm saying is when people say, "Do you you know that these blow up games are coming?" You're That's assign, true. You're yes. assigning I, him. This, I see your perspective. Yeah, yes. they're assigning him this potential that he has not yet showed, showcased. Like, I don't think this guy's ever had a fantasy Not game over season, 20 no. points. Even last season, he scored one touchdown. It's like, look, this guy has never been the superstar that you think he's going to be. And now, like, he's scoring you three points a game. Yeah, he has a big name, but this whole offense is so stagnant. I think you could drop Drake London to your waiver wires if you not dynasty by the way not dynasty there's not a dynasty take there's a redraft take no I'm not dropping him I would drop That's I would drop Drake London if I needed a if I needed a guy like if any of these running backs that are available or any of these wide receivers that are, that have come available uh, if you need any of them I would have no problem dropping Drake London it's absurd though it really is the way that Arthur Smith is running this offense like they were got dominated the entire game and he still wouldn't pass the damn ball it's funny Jason Moore today said uh it's like I mean, I was worried for a little while who's going to take the throne of worst coach in the NFL after uh, after Matt Rule Matt left, Rule. and clearly that throne is safe. Although he's, I mean, the Falcons win games, I guess, but man, he's he's playing in the past, and I mean, this is the former Titans coach, so this he, this is how he likes to run his offenses. Um, with that being said, that's my first stock down, Michael. Who's your first stock down? I'm going to give you both because they're related. I guess the theme of the stock down today is offenses. Don't don't nod your head at me as if you didn't choose two I'm entire not, offenses Michael, I'm not for a singular Michael player Rola- options. I'm, they're showing highlights and they just showed the Brees Hall sixty yard run. Oh, and you're I'm, just getting sad. All I am over just again. getting sad. Like relax, okay, relax. I'll give you a I'll give you a nice rub on the head after this. I mean, that's not going to make so me feel can, any better. And I'll whisper, simmer down. That's Tim, that's a win down. for you, not for me. My head is my head is mad smooth. Not going to argue that. But <laughs> all right, so my first stock down. Lamar Jackson. Um, I think it's about time we have the talk that Lamar Jackson isn't MVP Jackson like he was looking in the first three or so weeks of the season. Since Buffalo in week four, Lamar in half PPR, well, in whatever setting we're talking about, quarterback here, has put up 15 rounded up or down to the numbers. 15, 16, 17, and 11. Disgusting. He's even fallen off the cliff of not bad for a running back. I could trust him every single week. Uh, he's a high end QB one. Like he dominated through the first three weeks. Him and Mark Andrews were winning people weeks. He had two back to back forty point games in weeks two and three, and since then he hasn't surpassed seventeen point one fantasy points. The Ravens' offense has been abysmal to say the least. Like Mark Andrews, I guess the ankle injury was more serious than he was letting it on to be because he didn't even ca- catch a pass last week. Rashad Bateman returns, and I'm just going to get into Rashad Bateman as my second stock down. Rashad Bateman returns and goes 4 for 42 on five targets, but Rashad Bateman is someone I wasn't super interested in this offseason because he didn't have a very successful rookie year, and I was worried about that. Obviously, it goes both ways. I was super hyped about Elijah Moore because he had a very good rookie season. He's having a trash year, even worse than Rashad Bateman. But I was like, if Rashad Bateman's really as good as people say he is, he probably should have been better as a rookie. And he has two big plays this year where he's caught long touchdowns. And otherwise, that is absolutely it. He has not had more than four receptions in a single game. He missed two games with an injury. Like, he has been useless since week two. Since week, since starting week three against New England, he's put up in half PPR 
Injury out, injury out, 6.2. Like, if you have Rashad Bateman, you've just either had him in your lineup and you're like, damn, he's in my lineup, or you've had him on your bench wasting a spot because you you had to keep him on your bench because you're not going to drop Rashad Bateman. I'm not saying things can't turn around for Rashad Bateman, but at this point, I think he's more of just like a des- like a desperate flex play, hoping he catches a long touchdown. Otherwise, what are you banking on? Four catches for 50 yards? You could get that in Paris Campbell. More than that in Paris Campbell. It's I don't understand what's going on with the uh, the Ravens offense, but mainly Lamar Jackson and Rashad Bateman. I'm I'm concerned. Michael this weekend accused accused me of being uh, leaning towards the guys in my home league when I'm picking my guys for my off season guys. Like I'm more like if I if I draft them in my home league, all of a sudden I become a little more. It's been a uh, study for years that me and Jason have kept tabs on. We just let you in on the secret. We probably shouldn't have though, because says says Michael says Michael now as he's as his stock up is uh, Josh Jacobs and his stock down is Rashad Bateman. Josh Jacobs wasn't my stock up. Well, you just mentioned Josh Jacobs. Oh no no hey he, Matt my stock no up. Matt mentioned Josh fine Jacobs, yeah. Rashad Bateman. All right. I just want to put that. I'm just gonna. I mean, I think Rashad Bateman is clearly a stock. Yeah, because you traded him. Yeah, totally. I traded him because I thought he was a very good trade candidate, and, and that's I got why, Josh Jacobs out of and him. And that's why I draft players, Michael. Matt, you're up next. Hmm? <laughs> um, I mean, since Tim's taken entire offenses and Mike's taken, you know, entire receiving and quarterback duos, I'm gonna get a little bit into some dynasty game theory here, <laughs> and it's the way that I, you know can help people analyze the market a bit and it's about insulated value of a specific position and the age that they've become and that's the quarterback position uh if you look at aaron Rodgers, tom brady russell wilson matt stafford even and obviously matt ryan um stafford a little bit more insulated because a lot of the perception is tied to his injury right now but their value is done once you get past a certain age of a quarterback um and it's I'm going to, you know, kind of set it up with Daniel Jones earlier is even a guy like Daniel Jones who had four years of like inconsistent kind of unusable. Should I even keep him on my rosters and dynasty production has more insulated value than any of the guys that I listed before him. And if you look at the market swings, he's ahead of them in a lot. And that was kind of one of the things that I said earlier in the pod is I would trade Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers straight up for Daniel Jones. His value is much more insulated than them. And he's going to be in the league longer than either one of them will be. And look at what happens when, and part of the, something that I've done for Brodo, and if you go back in the archives of the articles, is quarterbacks that are young with first round draft capital have insulated value attached to them regardless of production. So they can falter out like a Daniel Jones, like you saw Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Everybody except for Mac Jones last season. Um, And those guys still hold incredible perceived value across the dynasty market. Production does not need to equal value, especially when you're looking at younger players. So when you're in a position um, with guys like Brady, guys like Rodgers on your roster and going into off seasons, I obviously know it's a little late now, but you're probably tanking out with those guys on your roster. And I would look to flip them for whatever their perceived value is to a contender. And when you're going into off seasons before seasons even start, there was so much hype. Aaron Rodgers coming off two MVPs, Tom Brady coming out of retirement. There's so much hype where you could have packaged those guys for a Trevor Lawrence and a bit of a comeback. Um, so always take those opportunities with aging assets and dynasty. It's worth giving up even even if it is a little bit of production, say if Brady and Rodgers maintained, to be able to have insulated value in a guy like 
Justin Fields, who, you know, and look at this game is going to skyrocket his value into a top 12 positional asset now because of the shifts that are happening in season. Aging quarterbacks, their value is only tied into their production. Amalgamated insulation sans Matt Ryan. Moral of the story. <laughs> um, amalgamated insulation sans Matt Ryan. Is what Jonathan Taylor kind of has. Oh. <laughs> Damn, I was going to say, I'm, I'm too tired. Tim, to, what are you doing right I'm now? I'm too tired Speak. to even think of a word to, to follow that. Um, but I'm going to say another person, next offense? another person who's really tired is Tom Brady and the Buccaneers offense. I'm fading the entire Buccaneers offense. This is supposed to be an offense with a plethora of weapons. Uh, Fournette, uh, Evans, uh, one, of the biggest, I mean, one of the biggest drops of the year was Mike Evans right in his hand to the point where he almost caught it twice. Would have been a 75-yard bomb, completely changed the, the complexion of the entire game. Um, Chris Godwin, er, Leonard Fournette, er, Tom Brady, er, just a bunch of, er, 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 and it's over in week and week. We, we, we can't just continue to think that this is just going to work itself out because the head coach is different. And I think you have to. we have to start, like, a lot of people are like, oh, what's going on with these offenses? Like, what's going on with the Saints offense? Well, Sean Payne's not there. Oh, what's going on with the with this with the uh, Bruce Arians is not there. They these these things make a difference. These these guys are Hall of Fame level coaches. And Tom Brady was only good against KC. Otherwise, he's just been atrocious. He has not been good. Uh, so with that being said, yeah, he, beat, he beat the Saints. With that being said, but it's not like he was Finally. great in that game. No, he was trash. Uh, I'm feeling less good about all those offenses than I did. Uh, I mean, all those players than I did two weeks ago. Uh, Matt, I mean, uh, who's next? Michael? I'm done. I went with Lamar and Bateman. All right, Matt. Finish. Yeah, I, I got you home, covered, kid. bro. Take us home, kid. Um, we're we're keeping that 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 same energy and kind of bringing home something that I've hammered throughout this episode, and that that's. The value of the running back position in Dynasty is greatly changing. And honestly, man, Brees Hall's injury and Javante Williams' injury are going to change the landscape of the way that managers perceive high-valued prospects and play Dynasty for years to come. And there is a gigantic apex about to switch over and several players are going to fall off the cliff next season that we're maintaining high value right now and are perceivable assets that you hold on to. But with... Again, with that influx of the 2023 class and all those new running backs, I mean, like, just look, like Jonathan Taylor, high ankle sprain, and now on an offense that is led by Sam Ellinger. His dynasty value as RB1 was already surpassed by Brees Hall uh, before the injury. So look at his quote-unquote value insulation. It didn't really exist. He It took six games for another rookie to surpass Jonathan Taylor's three first-round value draft picks. Uh, I'll give up anything for him. No, you wouldn't have. And Javante Williams, same thing. Unfortunate knee injury. Unpredictable, yes. J.K. Dobbins has to get surgery now on his already surgically repaired knee. DeAndre Swift uh, can't stay on the field, seemingly. So all of that, every single one of those guys were perceived as top 12 positional assets at the position. And they're being surpassed by guys like Josh Jacobs and Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, because they're maintaining production, but those guys are also um, not so much Jacobs. Uh, he'll probably be valued as a lower end RB one throughout this season if he stays healthy and maybe a little bit into the offseason with some, you know, directional shifts happening with the 2023 market. But all of those guys are going to become victims to a massive change in perception in dynasty and that's 
the fact that running backs are not worth the draft capital, both in startups and in future rookie picks that we put into them. Bang, bang. Imagine how good you would feel right now if you drafted T. Higgins and Jalen Waddle on the back-to-back 2-3 turn rather than going Brees Hall and Javante Williams. You'd be fucking laughing your way to a playoff. And with that being said, we're going to end that right there. Mike, where can they find you? I brought off of Mike. Matt? At oh, Psychboard FF. Pouring out here, it sounds like. Yeah. At Brodo for Tim, at Brodo Fantasy. I, I, I got to walk home in the rain right now. At FF app, at Brodo, at Twitter, all that good stuff. I don't even know what I'm saying. Tim, just ask us a question. At Brodo FF Mike. I'm so tired. At Brodo FF Casanova. Yo, let me ask you guys a question. Yes, please. It's a very important question. It always is. Best pizza topping. Hot honey. What the fuck?